All right. Today I want to dedicate my sermon to the young people. This being the last Sunday of June, I think it's important for me to say something to the young people and all those who are young at heart. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. And I have entitled my message, Despise Not Your Youth. Despise Not Your Youth. First Timothy 4, 12, it reads, I'm going to read different translations i start with the New King James Version. It says, let no one despise your youth. Let no one, in other words, don't allow anyone to despise your youth. But be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. What Paul is saying is that your exemplary life will go very far in terms of the respect that people will afford you. As much as I said the other week, respect really, it's a choice people make. But there are things that when you do those things, people will respect you. You know, if you live in a certain way as a young person, there are people who will honor you and people who will respect you even if you are young. And you can still lead them even if you are a young person. Verse 30 says, Till I come, give attention to reading to exhortation, to doctrine. Then I love verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. It says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself. Look after yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So, meaning as a young person, you can have influence on other people's lives. Some of you, you are not aware, in your home where you come from, they are looking up to you for an example. They may not tell you, they may not come and be outright about it, but they are looking at you. I say this because I remember overhearing my mother confiding in my sister way back in 19... I think 79 or 1980, I think it was, 1979, yes. And uh, my mom, it's 1979 when I got filled with the Holy Spirit and my life changed drastically. And so, you know, I used to sleep in the dining room. I was raised in a four-roomed house like many of you here in Soweto. And uh, being a big family, a family of five children, uh, four sisters and me, the only guy, so, and it being only a two-bedroomed house, my parents had the one bedroom, my sister had the other bedroom, and Shem Nangwanabatu, they pushed me to the dining room. So I used to sleep in the dining room. At least it wasn't under the table. It was very close to being under the table, but I used to sleep there, and uh, they had a folding bed, and I'd sleep on that folding bed. And 76, that's when television, I mean, 1979, that's when we bought television at home. And so the television was there in our, in the, my bedroom, which was the dining room. <laughs> and, and everybody would come and watch television there whilst I'm sleeping. And, and it, was, it was really hard, you know, and I tried to really sleep and so on. And then I overheard my mother one day confiding in my sister you know, and they were sitting on the folding bed. I was sleeping this side, they were sleeping on it, and the other one was sitting on the chair, they were watching television. And then she said to my sister, I don't know what has happened to your brother, but something good has happened to him. He's not the same 
same boy, you know, I was, I was my mama, I was my mother's boy, you know. I have got other people, a boy or a father. And I says, says, I don't know what has happened. And of course, to cut a long story short, my mother in the next two years got born again. And my dad got born again as well. No, no, my dad actually was born again years ago. He just recommitted his life to the Lord. And because of what God had done in my life in 1979, I ended up being the spiritual leader of the family. I prayed for my sister, Austin, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for my sister, Austin, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for my sister, Chris, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for my own dad to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for my mother to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for the last born, to be filled with the Spirit. Everybody won't. But you see, God can use you as a young person. Amen. In 1979, how old was I? I was 18 years old. Right, 18, and then I got to be 19 years, 20 years, but you can see I'm not 20 years anymore. So, But Paul is talking to a young man by the name of Timothy. And I'm going to explain to you how youth was defined in the days of the Bible. But he's talking to this young man, and he's saying to this young man, that which will cause people not to despise your youth is the way you carry yourself. It says, be an example, be exemplary. And I want to say this to the young people. You don't have to necessarily bow to the pressure that is there today. You don't have to live in a way that is destructive. There's no need for that. You can still live in a God-honoring way, giving God the honor and the praise that he deserves. Amen? And Paul says, no, don't, don't let anybody despise your youth. When I be an example, and then he goes on and says, don't look down on the gifts. Don't neglect the gifts that God has given to you. You are a gifted young man. He says, take heed of, look after yourself. Use your gifts. Live right. And in doing so, not only will you save your life, but you will save the lives of those who are watching you. You will be an influence because God uses young people. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Even if you're not a young person, Maria, young at heart, can I get a good amen here? The NIV reads, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. See, one of the things that helps you as a young person is to find a cause. To devote yourself to. I get a course, I get a UNISA. I'm talking about find, find, find something you to do with your life. The biggest problem is when young people have too much time on their hands. You know the saying, Eric, the devil has work for idle minds. So find a course. I, I find, as I've spoken to many, many uh, leaders, Christian leaders, spiritual leaders, who started leading in their youth, and I all of us are in agreement. We had so much to do as young people with regards to the things of God. What we had no time, I don't know English, but I don't We were busy. I mean, Kenneth Hagin, that I've, I've, I've talked about so much, he said he had so much to do as a young 17-year-old boy. And there was always some church program he was involved in. So as a young person, immerse yourself in the things of God. Go to prayer meetings. Go to cell groups, go to church, you know, go to Bible studies, go to school, 
enroll in some hobby of some sort. Just do something. Just have so much work on your hands and more work than you have time for. Then you won't have time. I was always involved in church work. All the time. You know, I knew Monday we're going Bible study, Tuesday let's follow up, Wednesday you home Sally, you know, Thursday you prayer meeting. There's always something going on. And I used to lead a prayer meeting. Since 1979, I led a prayer meeting till about 1983 and it was a, or 82, it was a prayer meeting of young people. About, you know, we started as, we were how many? We were three of us when we started, we ended up being about 10 or 15 young people. Many of them ended up in the ministry. And we were young people from different churches, you know, United Reformed Church, which is Dutch Reformed Church, Catholic Church, Methodist Church, Church of England. There were people from Zion. All of us, we, were, we met these young people, and our agenda was one. Our agenda was we are here to pray. Amen. Can I hear an amen, Mazaran? We would meet, we would pray, we would discuss the scriptures. I used to buy books that David Nunn. And I would read these books, and they were incredible books, and everybody wanted to read those books. I think I bought like uh, 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 five, five pairs of those books. I know I pay is two, but I've bought, I had to buy those books five times. Because every time by the Kadima, young people would say, Are you cool? Yeah, you know that. Because that's what you do too. So, are you cool? You know, so I bought books, they'd go, I bought books, and we used those books. We'd read from them, we'd preach from them, we'd teach from them, we'd go from house to house preaching, teaching, leading people to Christ. I was too busy. I was too busy. I mean, I was too busy preaching. I had no time for my susu. So I just had no time for my susu. I just had no time for them. I was too busy. And the, the thing is, with the things of God, the more you do it, it's, it's almost like you get hooked on it. You know, being hooked, you know, I know people know being hooked to alcohol, being hooked to a nyaope, there's something like being hooked to the things of God. Where you are so much into the things of God that you're not looking anywhere else. Can I hear an amen? amen? This is what Pastor says, until I come, devote yourself. Devote yourself. Be devoted. Be committed to the reading of scripture, to preaching, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Some of you who are here, don't despise what God imparts to you as you are prayed for. Don't despise what God imparts to you during worship, during the preaching of the word. There's something that God does and he imparts in the hearts of people. God is able to cause a child to be full of the Holy Spirit from a young age. You can walk in the fullness of... And I know why you are not saying amen, because you think these things are not so. But they are so, and they do happen in the name of Jesus. Verse 15, it says, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Wow. Then it says, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. The Message Bible says, And don't let anyone put you down because you are young. Teach believers with your life. By word, by demeanor, by love, by faith, by integrity. Stay at your post reading scripture, giving counsel, teaching. And that special gift of ministry you were given when the elders of the church laid hands on you and prayed, keep that dusted off and use it. Hmm? Use it. Don't, don't just be a passive young person. Don't be a lazy young person who's not doing anything. Use the gifts that God has given you. Hallelujah. That's why I appreciate all these young people who serve in our church. I appreciate them. 
they use their gifts, they use their talents, they use their abilities, you know. And as I said to you some time ago, you know, during the hard lockdown last year, July, I will always remember that time. When, I mean, it was level five, I think it was, and we were, at some stage, we were not allowed to go to church. I mean, you couldn't move around, and it was just me and the young people in the office with the cameras and me preaching to the cameras, trying to act like the cameras are people. They're even better than you because they say amen. You are not saying amen, you know. And, 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 I, and then the thought hit me. Here we are, we're running this church with young people, just young people. Young people, they are on the cameras, they are doing the sound, they are doing the mixing, they are putting us on Facebook, they are putting us on our website, they are putting us on YouTube. Give on now, all this group of young people. I think I had about 30 young people, you know, and I would meet with them. And before we went on air, I would pray with them and I'd thank them. I'd look at them and I'd say, every one of you, I wish you knew how much of a gift you are to us. You know, it's all young people, all young people, yeah. All young people. Don't ever think, you young people, you can't carry an organization. I mean, if you look on the news today, everybody, these news broadcasters and these, these journalists, all young people. All young people. You know? Can I hear a good amen in the church? Yes. Hallelujah. Then he says, keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. Youth is the time of life when one is young, and thus it means it's a time between childhood and adulthood. I'm defining what youth is. Now, there's no universal agreement on an international definition of the, of the age group of youth. There's no agreement around the world. I mean, we all differ. However, for, for, for statistical purposes, however, the United Nations, without prejudice to any definition made by the member states, uh, they, they've defined youth as youths are persons between the ages of 24, or 14 rather, and 24. Some of you, you missed it by one. <laughs> Mara, they say, look, this kibona. However, we know that Different countries and different cultures have their own way of defining the age of being young. We note, however, in the Bible, I said I'll come to that, given the historical and cultural context in which the Bible was written, maybe by many Bible scholars have come to a conclusion that the reference to youth is that of persons between the age of 12 and 30 years. Whew, some of you made it. Between the age of 12 and 30 years. So the word youth, therefore, is that age group, 12 to 30, or you can be young at heart. But also, the word youth is also defined as the appearance, freshness, vigor, spirit, and characteristics of one who is young. So in other words, you can have, from an age perspective, you can have many years, but you can look youthful, and act youthful, and behave youthful. But on the contrary, you can be 20 years and act like, how many of you are sitting next to somebody who's 20 years and they're really, they're not even saying amen to my sermon. Can you look at them? Just look at them. And if I can say mask on top of that, just look at them. Sir. <laughs> so youth is not only the age in terms of the chronological age, 
but it has to do with behavior. You know, if you, if you look at teachers, teachers is like about cookie. You know, because teachers are interacting with young people and they're young all the time. They're young in their thinking. They're young in everything, you know, and they're very, very young. And, and some of you late so far, sir, I really have a problem. <laughs> Look at your neighbor, Bishop Some of you late so far, sir, just, and I'll tell you why. No spark about you, no passion about you, you know, even when you worship, when you sing, even when you come to church, you don't enjoy anything, you don't laugh. You don't smile. You don't enjoy life huh? at all. You just, 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 just. But, but you know, some people say age is a number. I, it is true, age is a number. But you do change in the body. Of course you do. But youth is about an attitude. That's why the Bible talks about those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Can I hear an amen? They will mount up with wings as eagles. And God gives you the strength. And God gives you youthfulness. But God works in the hearts of young people. Number one, he imparts vision in the hearts of young people. God implants vision in the hearts of the youth. Vision is a picture of a preferable future. And this is why when you read the Bible, you see God inscribing vision in the hearts of the youth. Jewel says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions. God is the vision giver. And when you look around the world, you see young people pushing and doing all kinds of things because of a vision they embrace. Or even activism. Even when I see young people being involved in activism, I say and I look at them and I say, there's something that's inscribed in their hearts. I mean, if you look, I mean, just not too long ago, the, the Fees Must Fall campaign. And now we see, even now with all the, uh, 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 the activism that's happening in terms of the, the processes that load shedding and whatever, most of it, you see young people leading. And God gives vision in the hearts of young people and inscribes vision in the hearts of young people. In the Bible, we read about people like Joseph who at the age of 14, he had a dream. And he had this dream and he had this vision that was going to happen. Even if that vision only got fulfilled when he was 40 years old. And this is what I want you to realize, Bazalai. Vision is a lifelong journey. Vision unfolds. God can work in your heart. Yeah, many of you, you've buried your childhood dreams. God was working in your heart as a child. God inscribed something in you as a child. And not many people grow up to pursue what was inscribed in their heart as children. Not many people. People defect into other things. We allow life and the challenges of life to take us away from what God has said. Can I hear an amen? amen? Number two, God stirs the hearts of the youth that we don't need. God stirs the heart of the youth that they should understand they should not allow circumstances to defeat them. And they shouldn't tolerate living under fear, defeat, and that things can change. 
When David saw Goliath, this young guy said, how come we haven't dealt with this situation? And so you see, you see, young people and a young heart doesn't tolerate things that are out of order. When you hear the question, why must we allow this to go on? This was what happened in 1976. When the young people decided our parents are not doing anything about this, this Africans thing. We're going to do something about it. Now, the, the, the planning might be wrong. The strategy might not be correct. Sometimes the execution might not be very orderly. Mara, it's, it's a response to something that's going on in the heart. Because young people believe they can make things change. Yeah. One of the problems of, of allowing yourself to be old even in your thinking is that you, you want to settle into a mode of maintenance. The operative word, How many of you are sitting next to somebody who is now? They may be young, but And that's the thing, as you grow, you know, you get to a point where you say, look, I've done that. I've spent my energy. Or better still, So they just don't have the thing. But when you are young, you know, you do so much. I watch in church. You see young people get up and dance. The older people dance in their hearts. They just delegate the young people to go do that. So David did that. Thirdly, God works in the hearts of the youth from an early age. Wow. Josiah, we're going to go through this. At the age of eight, God started working in the heart of this young man. Jesus Christ, our Lord. At the age of 12, he was found in the temple. And I'm going to go back to, to those. John the Baptist, God said he will be filled with the spirit from his mother's womb. And God works in the hearts of young people. So, whether you are 9 years old, 29 years old, 39 years old, 49 years old, 59 years old, 69 years old, <coughs> or whether you are a child, as we go through these scriptures, I want you to see what the life in Christ can make us do. And that even if you are 9 years old, Jesus Christ can still use you as a child. And that's why I take seriously when I see young people have a heart for God and turn towards God. I don't take it lightly because I know at the age of nine, my heart turned towards God. And I was seeking God as a nine-year-old child. And, and when I got born again, at the age of 17, then I realized this is what I had been looking for since I was nine years old. So when you see six-year-olds, five-year-olds, my sister, she got born again at the age of five. Me and her, we differ about it. She says, no, it wasn't five, it was six. Then one day she says it was five. Then she says it was six. Then she says, I got born again at five, but I got reborn again at 13. So we just never agree behind her. But I know from a young age, my sister, she just, I mean, you know, and that's the nice thing, you know, when, when you are raised in a home where people already know the Lord, you know, from, from the beginning, Jaina, they show you the right way. And I always watch my sister, you know, and she grew up, all, all my sisters, but our last born one, because she was so young. Now, let's go through a few young people. Let's talk about Daniel. Daniel, when he went to Babylon and taken into captivity, given the chronology of their age in the Bible, it seems quite possible that they were teenagers. And they go to Babylon being teenagers. The culture in Babylon, 
attempted to stamp out their identity as God's people. The culture there attempted to erase what they had learned, exactly like what we see today. When the world tries to erase from children and young people the things of God that they have learned. In spite of that, Daniel stood his ground. And in Daniel 1.8, he refused to eat the food that was presented to him. And the Bible says he refused to defile himself. There was a risk of him being killed. He refused in spite of that. And God rewarded his faithfulness. What happened? He ends up having effect on the whole area and everybody there affected by this young man. Secondly, we read about the three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were Daniel's contemporaries. Their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These young people, they also had accompanied Daniel. They were among the young people who had been taken into captivity. And the Bible tells us that they were forced to bow to foreign gods. And these three friends, they decided we're not going to do it. And this is why young people, it's important. Locate yourself among people who believe what you believe. Hang around with other young people who love God like you. Be with them. Be with them because they will strengthen your faith. What has helped some of us is that we have stayed among young people who love God and who serve God. We've gone to church, we've gone to youth meetings, we've read the Bible, we've done that. Stay in that kind of environment. So these three friends showed great bravery. Even to a point when they were threatened to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And when they were thrown into the fiery furnace, God showed up in their lives. Can I hear an amen? Amen. These young people, they were able to see God come through for them when they stood resolute in their faith. As a young person, if you have been challenged with your faith, if you have been challenged with your belief system, you are not the only one and it's not the first time. There will always be somebody who challenges you. Jeremiah, the third one. Jeremiah was only 17 years old when he's called by God to be a prophet. Young guy. And he has been called by God to lead in Israel that had a history that was broken and mad. And Jeremiah looks at his youth, looks at himself, and he laments his inadequacy for public speaking. He says, because I'm of a young age, that's Jeremiah 1.6. But God doesn't let him use that excuse. Because even if you are young, if God puts his hand on you, God will enable you. Can I hear an amen, Bazalan? What about Ruth? Ruth was widowed at the age of 20. She felt heartbroken and helpless, but she continued to remain faithful, helping her mother-in-law. And finally, God provides a husband and an inheritance for her broken family. So Ruth says to us, if you are young and you are discouraged, and tragedy has befallen you, and it seems like your dream is not going to work, God has not forgotten you. Esther, what about Esther? God uses Esther to save an entire nation. She herself was facing death. She knew she had to go to the king and confront the king. 
And she gathers up the courage to do what she should do. She is told by her uncle Mordecai, maybe God has brought you into the kingdom for a time such as this. So what, what, what he's been told is that Esther, your birth was not a coincidence. Where you find yourself, it's not a mistake. It's not luck. God has placed you there. And what happens? This young teenager, because of her actions, ends up saving the entire nation. Don't tell me that young people cannot save an entire nation. What about Daniel? David, rather. David is the youngest of eight children. He didn't have much going for him. He's looking after sheep, but we read in 1 Samuel 17, 28, this young man was able to take on Goliath. He was able to bring down a giant that the elderly people were afraid of. He was able to bring Israel back on its feet and cause a nation. I mean, I'm talking about young people who have affected a nation here. He makes a nation to come back. Joseph, we've spoken about him at the age of 17. Got a dream, but his brothers were not happy with him. They sold him into slavery. They did what was wrong. Thank God, God saw him through. He ends up being in prison, ends up serving Potiphar, but has to deal with the temptation that is brought to him by Potiphar's wife. And this young man decides, I'm going to keep my purity. I'm not going to go with popular opinion. I'm not going to hide and do things behind closed doors. I'm going to keep my integrity. And because of that, God elevates this young man to a high position. He becomes the prime minister of Egypt. He becomes the king's advisor. He becomes the strategic manager of the resources of an entire nation. And as a result of that, his entire family gets saved. And even more so, the entire nation of Israel gets saved. Don't tell me that God can't use a young people to save a nation. What about Miriam? Miriam, the young, the, the elder sister of Moses. She's looking after Moses, putting him in the river Nile. And when Moses was hidden there, finally she ensures strategically she pushes that basket such that Pharaoh's daughter is able to see the basket. When she sees this basket with the baby in the basket, she becomes so compassionate about this Hebrew boy that she's going to look after this boy and not going to let him be killed. But Miriam is clever. She's watching from afar. And strategically she appears and says to Pharaoh's daughter, Oh, what did you find here? She says, a child, beautiful Hebrew boy. And, and, then, and then she says, Whoa, she's, he's just a handsome. I don't know if that's what he said. said would you like for me to look for someone who can nurse the child? Knowing fully well she's going to go home and call the mother of the child. We talk about Moses, but we don't talk much about Miriam. A great leader, Moses, if it wasn't for his elder sister, in her youth, the wisdom to talk to Pharaoh's daughter, the wisdom to call on the mother, the wisdom to do that. And today we read about Moses. And it's all because of a young person by the name of Miriam. What about Samuel? Samuel who 
had a terrible influence of older people and who didn't have an example to follow in the person of Eli, who was a backslidden preacher, a backslidden prophet. But you see, God is able to do new things. And God was able to call Samuel. What about Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, who allowed herself as a young girl to be the surrogate mother of our Lord Jesus Christ? And finally, what about Jesus Christ, our Lord, at the age of 12? He was found in the temple, sitting among those who were discussing scriptures, engaging in constructive argument. And Jesus from a young age, and at the age of 30, he's filled by the Spirit. And so, young person, you are ready to be used by God. And when I've read the scriptures, it struck me that most of these young people, they were in their 20s when God used them. So you are ready at 20 to be used by God. Josiah, who at the age of eight was made a king, when he got into his 20s, he decided to do all the reforms in Israel. Josiah, for me, is an outstanding case because the Bible, when it talks about his family lineage, not only was his father evil, but his grandfather and great-grandfather. This young man grew up in a house there was nothing that he could reach out to that could preach something that's different to him. But God still works in your heart. Even if you didn't have the privilege to have a home, that's an exemplary home. That's why some of you, God has to put you into a different environment, make you hear something different to what you are used to. And God has to write and inscribe something new in your heart, different to what your grandfather has told you, different to what your father has told you, different to what your mother is telling you, what your brothers are telling you. And you get to a point where in the very home that you are from, you feel like an outcast. You feel like you don't belong. You feel like you are not one of them because there's something brewing in your heart different to what is the norm. And they may talk about you. They may call you names. They may say all kinds of things. They may ostracize you. They may leave you out of the group. They may plan without you. They may say all kinds of things about you. But God is trying to do something in your heart as a young person. And Josiah, when you got to be 20 years old, 24 years old, he brought the reforms in Israel. They built the temple of God. He brought back worship. And then he wanted them to bring back the, 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 the word of God and, and the, the parchments upon which the scriptures had been written. And when they were brought into the temple, he got the priest to read that. And the people to dance and praise and, and worship God. What is this young man doing? He's bringing back the honor of God back into the temple as a 20-year-old. Don't tell me that 20-year-olds can't do it. They can do it. Only if they can allow God to work in their hearts. And so I want to challenge you, young people. What are you giving your life to? What are you giving your life to? What are you giving your life to? You see, the same passion that the people show out when they are out there, smoking and drinking and doing drugs, when they are out there partying their hearts out, is the same passion you can show in serving Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, uh, yeah. And 10 years down the line, we will see who's going to be the last man and the last woman standing. I can guarantee you, those who are serving God, they will be the last man and the last woman standing. Yeah. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand. Don't be shy about it. Don't be shy about it. You know, on, on Friday, we, we went to the funeral of uh, Apostle George Jensen. And I was officiating at the funeral. And I just started thinking, you know. You know, many of us who are in ministry today, many of us, we, we experienced a visitation from God. Or let me say, we encountered Jesus Christ in our teenage years. And many of us started churches in our 20s, our 30s. And I just started thinking about the many people I know, not only in this country. I don't know if I shared with you. I've gone as far back as Ghana, Nigeria, Mali, Togo, Cameroon. Go to the USA. It doesn't matter where. You go to Australia. You, go as, you can go as far as South Korea. Many leaders that I know, when I try to look at their history, there was one common denominator. In their teens, God started stirring their hearts. And many of them in their 20s, that's when they started in the ministry. Then this morning I was thinking, out in the world of sports, who are the dominant figures? In fact, in sports, once you are 27, you are old. The shining stars are in their 20s. Some of them are not 20 yet. And that's the prime of your life. And then I asked myself a question, Mara, Runa in the church then. Why are we not like that? What is it that we are not doing in the church? I'll tell you what's wrong. We're not encouraging it. We're not talking about it. And so I told our leaders this week, I'm praying radical prayers as I speak. And I'm asking God, God, they are ready at 20. Can we provide the platform for that? Yeah. Yeah. At the funeral I was at, I, I, I met a young pastor from the Methodist church. As, and I was standing next to him, and we, we were talking. And we started talking around these issues. And I said to him, and I was so happy. You know, I, I'm so attracted to young people and children. I just love them. So I was standing next to him and just chatting with him and chatting with him. And I could hear his heart. I could hear his passion. And I said to him, may God use you. May God continue to use you. Stay on as a young leader. So don't try to be old. You are not old. You are young. Be young. 
but be as passionate as you can. And I want to ask you if you are a young person in our church. I hope you are not a bench warmer. I hope you understand that there's a platform in this place to be used by God. In the next service, I couldn't do it in this service, but in the next service, I'm going to be praying for all those people that we have assigned. I hope you can change your plans and stay and come and see the many of them that we are assigning to go out and start churches. And I was saying in my heart, next time I do that, it will just be 20-year-olds and 17-year-olds and 15-year-olds. Because we have the scriptural pattern for it. Imagine our church has been run by 20-year-olds. Imagine having bishops who are all atolayano, who are 20-year-olds. But God wants us to do that. Let us pray. Lord, we allow ourselves to to draw limitations in our minds. And we make assumptions. And we make decisions that are not compatible with your word. Whereas you as God you are able to touch the lives of young people. I pray this morning that you'll do a work in the lives of young people. Vision staring, whether it's a vision for them to lead the church, a vision in any form of career, but you're inscribing vision in their hearts. I bring them before you this morning. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I, I just feel to do something this morning. And if, if you are a teenager, whether you're 11, 12, from that age, all the way up to 30 years, and really you feel there's a vision burning in your heart, that you really want to give yourself to. It's a God vision. It could be a vision to be a pastor. It could be a vision to be an artist, a musician, whatever, business person. But as you've been listening today, you realize, you know, like Joseph, like John the Baptist, like Jeremiah, like Daniel, Something is brewing in my heart. I just want to pray with you this morning. To encourage you like Timothy was prayed for. And it was through that prayer that what God was doing in his heart was stirred up. Through hands being laid on him. And it's the laying on of hands that stirs up what God has done. And what God's doing. If you're here and you say, I need that prayer. In a short while, I'll be praying for you. But before I do that, there could be somebody in this place who hasn't received Christ as Savior and Lord yet. You don't know Jesus as Savior, as Lord. You're not born again. 
You are not changed. You are not a child of God. But right now you want to invite Christ into your heart to be the Savior and the Lord of your life and you need prayer. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. You are the one who needs prayer. Would you raise your hand so that I can pray with you? Say, I want to receive Christ. Please pray for me. My life is not right before God. Just raise your hand so that we pray together.